particularly because you are affiliated with Skip the Small Talk. And let's just hop right in. Yeah. Tell me about Skip the Small Talk because it's something that I'm interested in. And I actually reached out to you and I got to hear a little bit more about it. And then after that, we were like, hey, yeah, let's get together. So I'll start it off by let's just talk about Skip the Small Talk. So what is Skip the Small Talk? Skip the Small Talk is an event for people connecting. So it's a structure where you come in as a guest and we give you the baseline to have conversations with other guests who are strangers. And then you provide the entertainment. You uh, will have 10 minute conversations with the people who also came to the event and we give you the prompts. So we set the time limits and then you find a new partner. You do a new prompt, new conversation, new partner, new prompt, new conversation, and you just connect. Nice. So every 10 minutes you switch. Yep. And then how many prompts for one person? Um, so we have a, each person will always have a prompt. So you I end up saying the same thing. So it's kind of routine <laughs> yeah, right, at this right. point. But we tell them you can be overachievers and you can answer both questions. You can pick one card and answer that question or pick the other card and both answer that question. Or you can always come up with your own question every time. Oh, wow. So we could go off script and not use the card. You can go off Mm. script. The only caveat to that is we encourage you not to go off script to make it easy. So some of these questions really make you think. And uh, so uh, naturally, as a human, you want to take the easiest route. So if you want to like detour and talk about movies, it's like, well, that's not really the point of the event. The point is really to make you think and drive those deeper conversations. So uh, we talk about when you first read a question prompt card, you might your initial reaction might be, I don't know. And uh, it's not, I don't know forever. It's, I don't know yet. So yeah. give yourself a second to think and ponder. Maybe let your partner go first. And then that might trigger you of what you want to say and continue to that conversation. Oh, that's awesome. That I don't know yet. I've had, there's a typical question or a particular question I ask. And it's near the end of podcasts. And I don't ask it all the time, but I ask if there was one thing that you wish more people knew about you, what do you think it would be? Mm-hmm. And people always start by saying, oh, I don't know. I don't know if I have anything. <laughs> and then we'll ramble a bit for, uh, we'll ramble a little bit and they'll be like, you know, but actually, da 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 So mm-hmm. that's a really good framework. Okay. Mm-hmm. So... I am immediately interested in this whenever I hear about it. I'm meeting with someone who does conversation for a living. They are incredible at conversation. And we're talking about the importance of people getting connected. Mm -hmm. And they're like, for instance, there's a coffee shop over here called Bare Necessities and people show up and pay to talk to people. And I'm like, what? They're like, yeah, they will pay a fee and they'll sit down and they have a facilitated activity. And the whole entire thing is conversation. Mm Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow. And then the more that I look into this, I I started this podcast because I wanted to encourage people to connect to those around them. Yep. And I had like the communication background and I would look at all of these different research studies. Just this past week, the Surgeon General is on a media tour all about the loneliness epidemic. He's talking all about how not being in conversation with people is equivalent to 15 cigarettes a day. It will be equivalent to not having as much meaning in your life. It is uh, synonymous with high rates of, or an increased rates of depression, anxiety, and suicidal thoughts. So, so there's all these different things. So I'm like, okay, we need to get people to talk to people. 
So I create the podcast because I want to showcase what that looks like, but also inspire people whenever they're listening. But then I look at you all and y'all actually creating the events and going from city to city to get this all started to orchestrate all of it. So how did it start? Yeah, so um, a lot of parallels with what you just described. So our founder is Ashley Kirstner, and she is based out of Boston. And uh, she originally was going for her PhD in psychology. And uh, she, uh, at the time when she was in school, she would uh, work the suicide hotline. And every time she was on the suicide hotline and talking to someone, one of the questions they ask is, do you have people in your life that you could talk to and you could share these things with? And the general response was, yeah, but I don't want to burden them with that. And I don't want to share it. But they would tell you anything you wanted to hear on the call and they'd go really in depth on these really intense mm-hmm. topics, but they wouldn't share it with the people in their lives. And uh, so from that, she had the idea of let's just get people together to really have these deeper conversations and to open up to other people and allow that space. Because a lot of the times when you're in a public space and you're talking to someone, you keep it high level. You don't want to go into the nitty gritty. You don't want to go into the deep things. And uh, it's hard to have those conversations. And so she got together with some friends and decided to put together an event in a park. And they started a Facebook event of, hey, we're just going to try this. Come on out. And 300 people showed up. Wow. And they had... Uh, I want to say it was six or seven years ago. And they had an amazing event. It was supposed to go for like an hour and a half. And after like six hours, they were telling people, I'm leaving. Like (laughs) you guys can stay, but I'm going to go. And they had the most amazing event. And she started talking to people about it and the success of it. And they were like, you need to run with this. Do something with it. So she decided to stop pursuing her degree and switch to skip the small talk full time. Um, started in Boston. Boston has had amazing success. They now differentiate. There's a, um, a open to all skip the small talk events, which is your traditional event that we have here in Kansas City. But then they also do specialized events for BIPOC specific events, um, uh, queer events. And then they also do a dating version of it as well. And uh, so they, they're hosting events two or three times a week, every week and selling out consistently. And then about two years ago, they started Started to expand into other cities. So now we're in 13 cities and we actually just hosted an event in Paris too. Wow, international. We went international. Hey, hey. I'm very excited about it. That is awesome. So then it's no longer skip the small talk. I wonder how to say that in French. I have no idea. Yeah, I bet it sounds better. <laughs> totally sounds better. Yeah. But it would, uh, we have uh, skip the small talk has a central team that does uh, some of the back end work, but then we have facilitators across the world. And uh, the one of our central team is actually based in Germany. And he went to the event in Paris and oh. couldn't understand anything they were saying because he doesn't speak French, but he said it was the most amazing thing to sit there and listen to them just speaking French about Skip the Small Talk. It was awesome. Yeah, that is awesome. And so Ashley starts it. She's in Boston. Mm-hmm. And people can look this up. You know, we got the Boston Globe talking about Skip the Small Talk. and But the psychology background is interesting to me. And that's going to be a move that I make here soon, it's already in the works, but getting psychologists on this podcast because the interdisciplinary approach is really important. You know, like having the background of why do we want to talk to people? Why don't we want to talk to people? Why is it so important? And the prompt cards that you all use from my understanding have benefited from that psychology background because 
It's like testing these questions against other questions, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. All of the questions have backing in psychology to uh, make sure that they're not just random assortment of questions, right? Like they really do make you think and they foster that connection. Um, There is a large parallel if you've ever heard of 38 questions. Um, It's a study that was done. It's like 38 questions to fall in love. And it's a a way for people who want to foster a connection with someone because especially on like dating apps, right? Like you try to make a connection with someone and like trying to get that conversation going can be (laughs) challenging. And so uh, there actually is a study and a result of 38 questions to fall in love. And you will see parallels across our questions as well because it fosters connection. You're sharing experiences, you're sharing your backgrounds, you're thinking about the future. You uh, are really pondering on how there are trends or things that inspired you. And those are things that you'll find in our questions as well, because it fosters an immediate connection with someone because you only have 10 minutes in each of the rounds. But you will see, um, I actually... We hosted an event on Saturday and I, one of my favorite things at the event is watching the people and as they're having conversations and it's not watching the person who's talking, it's watching the person who's listening because the person who's listening is so intently following along the story that they're being told and just you're basically sharing who you are with someone and watching that recipient and how they're really fostering that connection is one of my favorite parts of it. That's the goal, huh? Mm -hmm. Yeah, to have that. They're both in the pocket. They're both exploring and discovering what all is being said. So can people buy the prompt cards? They cannot right Mm -hmm. now. That is a question we get. Um, We have thought about it. We actually got all the facilitators together in Boston in December. And we had talked about ways we could grow. Do we want to sell the card decks? Do we want to, like, what if we did an app or something like that? um, And really expand the reach. And it was a lot of avenues that we could go down. But Uh one of the things is the we wanted to keep the card decks exclusive where you are connecting with people you don't know. And really exercising that social muscle through coming to the events. And so for right now, we keep them exclusive. Hey, that makes sense. You know, whenever they are no longer exclusive, we're going to do some giveaways over here. Okay, (laughs) So let's go through some of the common questions about the event. All right. Someone may say, this sounds like heaven for an extrovert, but not me. I'm introverted. Mm -hmm. So what would you say to that person? The events for everyone, um, introverted, extroverts, it can be anyone. The event is what you make of it. So uh, um, we actually had someone who came on Saturday, which is relevant in my mind right now because yeah, it just happened. Totally, top of mind. But we uh, had someone come in and there was a lot of people there. We had a sold out event and uh, they, after the event, they came up to me and they were like, I almost walked out. It was mm. almost overwhelming with so many people there didn't want to do it. And you have that anxiety creep up and telling you this is not for you. Um, And they stayed and they absolutely loved it. And so they would describe themselves as an introvert. And it may be a little bit more challenging for someone who is more quiet or reserved, but it's really good. And the event is what you make of it. And so I have, uh, we have some guests who would describe themselves as an introvert. And 
that they might do two rounds and then they take a break and they just uh, stand there, just relax and kind of let their mind just reset. And then they jump in for two more rounds Um, or they get through half the event and they fill up their bucket with half the event and they leave early and that's (laughs) totally fine. And the event is 100% what you make of it. We want everyone to feel comfortable. Um, But one of the things that I like to hone in on, on the introvert and extrovert side is describing what an introvert and an extrovert really is. And an extrovert is someone who recharges by those social interactions and by connecting with people and um, doing things that are exciting and kind of your typical extrovert thing, right? Like it fills their bucket. That's me. I go to a skip the small talk and I don't sleep for two hours afterwards. Like I can't go to bed right away because I'm just filled after the event. And you have an introvert. An introvert recharges by having that self-care time and by being by themselves or with a small group of people. And so it doesn't mean they won't thrive at the event. They may feel um, not as excited or like charged after the event, but they can still have an amazing time. They just may need that time afterwards to recharge after the event. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Because for those introverts, they may feel very scared, but when they show up and that second or third conversation, like, Hey, this is actually a lot of fun. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And then those extroverts are just kind of doing their thing. Um, but I, with that, I, so part of skip the small talk, I've gotten involved in a lot of other aspects of the organization. And one of it is to create their facilitator training. And when we talk to facilitators, we talk about like their health as a facilitator. And we talk about anxiety leading to an event and public speaking and like all the different strategies you can do to prepare and feel more comfortable. Um, Ashley is the founder, um, went through a lot of these when first hosting events because public speaking was not natural for her. And so we've developed a lot of strategies to help facilitators. And I remember making this training and being like, this is so weird. This is natural for me. I just talk in front of people. This isn't a problem for me. I'm sure people experience that, but I couldn't connect to it and I couldn't relate to it, but I could understand where people would feel those anxieties. Like you you're through the day and you're thinking any small thing, like let's just cancel it. We don't need to do this. Let's just cancel. And I'm sure guests feel a lot of the same way where it's like, I just won't go. (laughs) And like, I don't need to go. And so I couldn't relate to it. But then I had an experience. I started last fall, I started playing roller derby and a completely new experience for me, completely outside of my wheelhouse in every single way. And right before my first match that I played in, I went through 100% of everything I described in this training for other facilitators. I didn't want to go. I wanted to cancel. I felt nauseous. I was so nervous. Never been nervous before for any sort of public event. And I went through every single emotion that I had described in this training. And I was like, payback. I'm getting this payback right now. And uh, I went through and I did it anyway. And I showed up and I had the most amazing time. And it's that anxiety. It's, I describe it as activation energy. Like you have to get over that hump. And when you get over that hump, you're golden. Um, And I think that facilitators that guests who come to skip the small talk, we all have that on some level. Some of the hump is a lot smaller for others and it's easy to show up. Some it's more challenging, but most people we hear from are glad that they showed up anyway. Yeah. 
I am, I identify with you. I enjoy it. I look forward to it, but I will get nervous. And mm -hmm. some of those things that we enjoy the most, we get nervous about because we know that we enjoy it so much that we would hate for it to go awry. And this is a bit tangent here, but my nightmares aren't really about, oh, some bad car wreck or, oh, some scary thing happening. 99% of the time, what I have nightmares about are relational things that go wrong. Okay. So like if I get in a really bad conflict with somebody or if I do something and it, someone else feels betrayed or da-da-da, and it, I'm not a dream interpreter, but what that signals to me is I value relationships so much that sometimes the the most perilous thing is whenever I have a relationship just go down, you know? Yeah. So I... I put a lot of energy in there. I put a lot of value in there. Uh, but roller derby's entered the chat. And <laughs> <laughs> skip the small talk, interesting roller derby, interesting. So now I'm battling some conflicting <laughs> questions here. But you mentioned facilitator training mm -hmm. and strategies to deal with anxiety. Mm -hmm. Could you share some of those? Yeah. Um, so one of the things we talk about is being, make sure you take care of yourself. Like your physical health is huge. Getting a good night's sleep, actually eating the day of. And because so many people can feel anxious before and then they just forget to eat. Drinking a ton of water is huge and taking care of your voice, especially as a facilitator is a big one. Um, and then we also think through like just be feeling prepared because the more prepared you feel, the more confident you are going into the event. So one of the strategies is doing physical exercise before you prep. So mm. we have a general like norms and ground rules that we cover at the beginning of every event. It's like a 10 to 15 minute spiel that every facilitator goes through with all of the guests. And so we tell them as you're getting ready, as you're practicing, do jumping jacks for a minute and then do your run through out loud. And what it triggers is it's your by doing the jumping jacks, you're raising your heart rate. And so you're actually telling your brain of like, I have to push through this a little bit harder and I have to work harder. So when you're at the event and your heart rate is higher because you're nervous, you're used to that. And it's a lot easier to get through your facilitation. So we give them some strategies like that. Um, we also talk about taking time for yourself and meditation and really checking in and making sure that you feel good. Um, uh, we talk about strategies of, let's say you had a bad day or something went wrong and thinking of actually visualizing, taking that event or whatever happened, putting it into a jar, setting it on a shelf, doing the event and then coming back to it. You can't just put it on the shelf and let yeah, it collect us. Right, That's not right, the healthy right. way to handle it. Um, but letting it to where the event is a standalone thing and you can be present for the event, but then you can come back to whatever else is going on after the event. Um, sure. but it helps you be more present in the moment. Love it. People can apply that to public speaking. They can apply that to whenever they're about to lead a meeting at work, mm -hmm. whenever they're going to be at a trade conference and they're sitting at the table and there's strangers around them. Absolutely. Prepping, planning. What's your personal like public speaking preparation? Because I know you're doing a lot of speaking and leading meetings. Do you write out what you're going to say? Do you rehearse in a mirror? Do you time yourself? None of the above. Nice. <laughs> so, I am very fortunate that public speaking is something that just comes naturally to me. You just um, show up. So I really will show up. <laughs> I joke at work. Um, 
I don't know if I can cuss. You can cut this. Um, But I joke at work that I'm just really good at bullshitting. Yeah. And like, as long as I have some level of context, I can get through anything. And I uh, can build rapport and charm my way out of it. And I'm good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when it comes to public speaking, I really don't have that. But when it comes to like other things where I'm not comfortable or it's out of my wheelhouse, like Derby, um, it's more of thinking through what are some simple quips of uh, like, I remember I need to get in a line. I need to have a buddy. Um, it's three steps and then I go and like I do small little lines of just reminding myself of some fundamentals. And I feel like those fundamentals really ground me of I can do that. I can do that small thing. And if I do that small thing, I could add on another small thing. And then I might be doing the actual thing. Um, but that's it. When it's something that I'm not comfortable with, that mm-hmm. is my go-to. Have you ran into a moment where you BS'd way too hard and you're in front of people and you're like, oh boy. Mm. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> I don't think of an example. I... Uh, I remember when I, I used to be a high school science teacher yeah. and I, uh, there was a, like anytime I would get into content that I kind of got, but I didn't really know. Right. So <laughs> the best example is physics. I am not a physics person. And if you look at all of my background, it's all life sciences. And at one point I had to teach physical science, which is half of the year is physics. Whoa. Didn't realize that before I accepted mm-hmm. the contract. Um, uh, but they, if they start asking me lots of questions and I would just run with it <laughs> and then that was <laughs> no. before I felt comfortable, like I was still a super young teacher and it was before I felt comfortable being able to say like, you know what, that's a good question. Let's look it up. Let's figure it out. And I would just run with it. And like, <laughs> I'm sure I gave off these crazy physics concepts that are not true <laughs> and would not happen. Um, uh, but I, I ended up learning of how to handle those transitions. Like even now in my job where if they'll ask me something, um, like I work in the world of compliance, like IT compliance, and there are so many things that I don't know. And it's really easy for me if they give me a out of the wall question to say, hey, that's a really good question. Let me follow up with this team and I'll circle back with you. Yeah. And uh, like the, it's a skill that you hone in on of don't get yourself in that rabbit hole um, and uh, find who is the right resource. I find myself whenever I prepare and then I combine that with being able to be quick on the feet and things like that. That's whenever I'm truly at my best, but I would, I, I relate. I like the pressure of not knowing what I'm going to say next. That's one of the things I love about conversations and, I personally really enjoy job interviews. Same. A lot of people are crazy. They think I'm crazy for saying that, but I love the suspense of not knowing what the next person's about to say. Mm-hmm. And then if I can answer it well, it's like, whoa. And it's so cool to hear the difference in everybody. You know, there are some people who they can't do that. They can't do any improv. But then there are some people who can do incredible improv. But the people who can't do improv are really good at this other stuff that these people suck at. Absolutely. You know, so the fact that Skip the Small Talk gathers the general public mm-hmm. rather than like catering itself to, okay, let's contact Stuco, like the the leaders of the group, mm-hmm. you know, or let's contact the people who are getting communication skills training, like the people who feel as if they're so deficient that they need professional help. It's like, no, all of y'all come, you know, and, and we'll see what happens. We'll see what it looks like. 
uh, I have some uh, roller derby questions, but any anything, let's let's do a couple of skip the small talk cards. Yeah, let's do that. Let's do that. So we are going to do what? Skip the, the small the talk. <laughs> okay. Okay. So uh, should I read mine and then we both answer it, or uh, we can each read both of our questions and yeah. then decide which one we want to answer first. Okay. Okay. You go first. So mine is, tell me an antidote of you as a child that is somewhat representative of who you are today. Oh, that's a cool one. And then mine is, tell me about, and you were just talking about this, tell me about at least one time you felt fear and did something anyway. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Okay. You were talking about this with roller derby. It was. And I'm going to answer this and then we're going to do yours. Okay. Okay. And the last time I felt fear and it's about talking to people, there was somebody who I wanted to talk to that I saw there. It sounds tacky when I say this, but like a local celebrity (laughs) and I saw them around and I was like, man, this would be a really cool person to interact with. And my head lately has been like, oh, think about the conversation I could have with the podcast. But I saw that person and I did not want to talk to them. And that's my whole thing. And I left and I was driving home and I had my brother-in-law with me and I was like, bro, that's my thing. I'm the talk to people guy and I'm chickening out. Like, and I was like, that's loser energy to do that. So I drove back to the facility and then I found him and I went up there and initiated a call or a talk. Now, had he known the links I went to talk to him, he'd be creeped out. <laughs> But he he won't know. And uh, I was really grateful. I felt much fuller whenever I left. And I was glad I did that. Okay, so now... You, hold on. We yeah. take this for a second. You went back. I went back. What did your brother-in-law think when you went back? Oh, he's supportive. He's such a good dude. He was like, all right, all right. Uh, and he came with me. And then it was a... I'm trying to think of how many details to fill in here before this person figures out. <laughs> it, it was like a gym. Okay. So uh-huh. I was telling, uh, I was telling him, Jimmy, my brother-in-law I was like, Hey, just work out a little bit more. <laughs> yeah. And I started working out too, like at, at an area that was near this person. And then it ended up being natural. Um, such a funny story because it makes me seem quite odd, but that's how my brain operates is like, I love initiating interactions with people. And I, whenever I say that, there's good ways to do that, you know? Mm-hmm. But that being said, whenever I backed out, I was nervous. Um, and then regarding your fear, how did your first roller derby match go? It was terrifying. Yeah. I feel like every time I put on skates, like even practices, like I'm mm-hmm. terrified every single time. Mm-hmm. And it's so far out of my normal wheelhouse. And uh, I just tell myself I'm going to do it anyway. And uh, the uh, thing that I reinforce over and over is I want to be comfortable being uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. So every time I put on skates, I'm uncomfortable. And I want to be comfortable in that moment to do it anyway and to push through. And uh, I, I'm so grateful I've done it, but it is still, I mean, I've been doing it, oh goodness, almost eight months now. And it's still the same feeling every single time. And the, we've had three matches now. I actually had one yesterday and I, uh, yesterday morning I was tired, like very just physically, mentally tired. We had skipped the small talk the night before that ran late. Um, I was just a late morning and I was really wore out and I put on my skates 
I was like, I'm going to do it anyway. I wasn't as nervous as I was the first couple of times, but I, have, I think I was just also very tired. So <laughs> I think that just dampened my nervousness. But I got up there and I was playing the position I have kind of fallen into that I really like. And I felt like I just wasn't thinking right. I wasn't going, wasn't doing what I needed to do, wasn't getting through people like I should have. And so I switched gears and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to take people out and I'm going to knock people down and that just to feel more comfortable in my body and what I'm doing. And I know I can do this. So I'm going to start knocking people down. So I did. I basically became a bowling ball mm-hmm. and I won most valuable blocker. Wow. <laughs> and it was awesome and so much fun. And I, it was really nice to be able to just again go back to my ground rules of this is what I know I can do. Let's just do this and focus on this. And it definitely worked out in our favor and it was fun overall. But every time I put on skates, I feel like I'm overcoming fear. And you got the MVB. I did get the MVB. We got a little trophy that was a My Little Pony little trophy. It was adorable. That is a good rule of thumb. Whenever you feel nervous or overwhelmed, to go back to the thing that you know you can do. Mm -hmm. And then reboot from there. Mm -hmm. I like that a lot. I have a lot of questions about roller derby. What's the, <laughs> Let's do what's my the, question first. Okay, 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 go for it. So we have the antidote of you as a child that is somewhat representative of who you are today. So I had that initial reaction. I don't know. The yeah. uh, what, thinking of who I was. Um, I think it, the biggest thing for me would be my connection to my family. So my immediate family is very close. And uh, we... Uh, there's been a ton of things we went through as uh, kids and living situations and whatnot growing up. And uh, so uh, like being close to my parents is always really important. And it still seems the same way today. Mm-hmm. So uh, about five years ago, my family used to live all up here it was my mom, my dad, my brother and his family. And my dad got a job offer down in Texas. And so they moved. And then my brother got a job offer at the same company. And so they moved. So my whole family left. And that was very challenging because we were so tight knit and we were very close. And but I was really worried, what is this relationship going to happen? Because they're not eight hours away. Like, how do we make this work? And we still are very close. We figured out my mom and I talk on Marco Polo pretty much every day. When I have my son, we FaceTime with them at dinner and we have dinner with them almost every night that we are all together and we've maintained that relationship. And so that closeness of my parents being involved in my life and me being involved in their life is definitely something that's been consistent across the board. And it's gone through different shifts based on what phases of life we're in and where we're at geographically, but it's always maintained an importance. And even like yesterday when I got the award, as soon as I got in my car, I Marco Poloed my parents and I was like, look what I got. (laughs) Super excited to show them. And they're still part of my life and part of what's going on because I value that relationship so much. That's a great answer. And the way that you structured it, it wasn't just one thing. You laid a lot of different conversational threads there. Mm -hmm. And I still love that you've only been doing it for eight months and you've already got that most valuable blocker. That's a really good sign. And we granted, we give one out for every team at every game. So yeah. it's like across still, the still, board. Still, still, still. Um, but to get the so award, great. you know, I'm, I'm excited for your roller derbying future. But one thing that 
antidote that I would say I, whenever I was a little kiddo, would love recess. That was a highlight of my existence was being able to, I wasn't drinking. It's so funny when you think about it because I'm eating this food and then I'm drinking milk and at for lunch, those little tiny milk cartons and then running around outside in the heat to play soccer. It's wild whenever I think back on that. But I was so quiet in class. I think I answered some questions. I was a pretty good student, straight laced. Yet once I got out to recess, I was talking like crazy, talking and talking and talking and talking. And I had stored all of that up. And then as soon as I put that tray away and I got the clearance from the teacher and I was able to run outside, we had to run one lap before we could play any sports. So for that one lap, I started talking to people (laughs) (laughs) while I was walking with them, talking behind them. And I vividly remember one person being like, you talk so much. (laughs) And it, it probably felt like I did talk so much then. But throughout the whole day, I really didn't talk that much during class, but I unloaded in recess. And that is a good illustration of the value I place towards, like I love sports, but then I get so much enjoyment from talking with others. And that's stuck around and I'm grateful for that. I've been having a hard time lately because I've been wanting to look like Arnold Schwarzenegger and get real big. But every time I go to the gym, I see people and I want to talk to them (laughs) and I ask them questions. And then the second time around, they get more comfortable with me and then they start asking me questions. And whenever I talk to people at the gym, one of the things I notice is very rarely have I had someone be like, all right, bro, boom, and like get back to working out. Mm -hmm. They want to talk. So their barbell will be up there and they'll be in the middle of a workout, but they'll be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And people may hear this and be like, no, nah, I'm all about lifting. But it's funny the way it actually works whenever you actually get in a conversation. Okay, I want to ask a roller derby question. Okay. What's the objective of a roller derby? How do you win? So uh, you have to score points by passing people. So uh, you have... a. Uh, briefly you have point scorers that get through the pack so you have to pass people lap them and then when you pass them the second time you score points so like both teams can score points at the same time and uh, like there's more to it than that but it's basically that you have to get through all of the pack pass them again and that's when you score points and then how does the blocking and the hitting and all of that work Um, So there's legal blocking zones where you can hit like what's allowed and what's not allowed. Um, But sometimes if you uh, take someone out and it's okay, like it's worth the penalty, it's Uh kind of uh like hockey. What's the penalty? Uh, 30 seconds in the box. (laughs) (laughs) The my first real game that we played, I uh, you're not allowed to use your forearms and you really have to use like the meat of your body. And uh, like you want to use more your hips and your shoulders, um, uh, but you're not allowed to like just wax someone with your forearm 
Well, the first dirt real game I played, I got three forearms <laughs> within probably the first three jams. And you so, formed somebody. Yeah, I formed yeah. somebody, and I had to go to the box. So every time you have to like go around the ring to get to the box, and I would pass my family that was all there every time, and they're like, "Again, <laughs> yeah. like I'm working on it." And uh, one of the things we say on teams is like, if you're not going to the box, you're not trying hard enough. So Ooh, <laughs> it's okay. okay. So you can't extend your arm at all. Um, you can, so like you can put your arms out to yeah. kind of feel where people are behind right, you, right, right. but if you, uh, if they like challenge it, so if they come up and hit my arm, I can't stop them with my arm. Uh, okay. So I would need to like cut over to get right, my body right, right. in front of them, like knowing that they're there. Wow. And then how many people are on the track for one team at a time? Five for each team. Five for each team. Mm-hmm. And that's a busy, and the track isn't. I wonder how big it is. Is it uh, like regulation, like a certain size? Uh, it or? is regulation. So we play a rule set called USARS. And okay. uh, so I have no idea what yeah, the dimensions how big are. It is. is there a facility <laughs> for that around here? Um, so normally it's around here. It's just played at skating rinks and uh, we can like, it's just literally your typical open skate and they'll close down for the night and let us play. Um, so it depends on if they have relationships. I know in Kansas city, we have two different leagues and they play two different rule sets. So I play for fountain city roller derby and uh, we uh, go there and uh, we play at the, um, it's now called Olorama skating rink in independence, but it used to be the old B and D. Hmm. And is the, when you go back to the penalty box, is it kind of like the walk of shame or are people like cheering for you? Oh no, it depends how good the hit was. (laughs) (laughs) It depends if it was worth it. (laughs) Oh no. So it sounds like people are getting laid out. Yeah, it's real fun. Oh, wow. So what protection are helmets, pads? Oh, yeah. You have helmets, wrist guards, elbow pads, knee pads. Um, Falling is actually fun. It's one of the first things we learn in boot camp is how to fall successfully. Yeah. And uh, or fall successfully and safely to make sure you don't get hurt. And uh, so like you fall down, it's not a big deal. You just get back up and you keep going because you got good pads. Mm. The worst part is if you fall backwards. So Mm -hmm. we have a saying of pick a cheek Mm -hmm. because you don't want to fall back on your tailbone. So, but that's a really where you'll like get really good bruises is if you fall backwards. If you fall forwards the way you're supposed to, it's totally fine. And how are you supposed to fall forwards? Um, so there's a couple different types of falls that we talk about your common one, like in a game, you typically will do, um, an all four fall where your knees will hit and then your elbows will hit and you'll kind of go small. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then, like you said, pick a cheek because when you're falling backwards, you want to turn one way. Yeah. Yeah. Because you don't want to land square. Yep. That's how you break your tailbone. Oh gosh. (laughs) You don't want to do that. That's painful. How do you get involved with roller derby? Um, so I actually had kind of an interesting journey. I went years ago, I used to work out with someone that they played roller derby and they tried to get me to do it. And I was like, I have no balance. There's no way you're getting me on skates. I'm not gonna happen. Give me a barbell any day. I'm good. Um, but no, I'm not playing. And we had gone to a match and we had seen it play, but we had no idea what was going on. And uh, then years went by, like didn't hear anything about it. I would see post randomly, but nothing. And then last fall, I was, uh, there's a Kansas City ladies meetup group. 
And uh, we had gotten together with some gals at a bar and one of them played roller derby. And uh, she was like, you should come out. We're doing an informational night just to learn about it. And uh, you should come out and just see what it is. I think Mm -hmm. you could play. And I was like, no way. And uh, I had a... uh, also had another friend in a shared community that I knew played and or no at that point I didn't know she played yeah and I went to hold on back up because the storyline is kind of interesting so I knew um Knox was the my old trainer that used to play and then I met Sisu and uh, she invited me to info night I go to info night just to see what the heck it is And I walk up, they had these tables set up talking about all the different aspects of roller derby. And I walk up to this table and this girl sitting there and she has a mask on. And so I couldn't really see her full face. And she goes, Hey, I know you. And I was like, hi, I don't know how you know me. And uh, I was like, I'm sorry, I don't recognize you. And she goes, you could, you do skip the small talk. Right. And I go, yeah. And she was like, I was at the event. And I recognized her voice. And I go, oh, you had your ankle. Like we, uh, um, your ankle was hurt. And she was like, yeah, that was me. And I was like, oh, cool. I didn't know you played roller derby. Come to find out, her and I are now really good friends because uh, we had Skip the Small Talk in common, roller derby in common. We're also part of similar communities and uh, like so much overlap in our lives. And uh, so that was kind of the kicker of, okay, I'm going to try it. Like, let's just give it a go and kind of see how it is. And uh, went to the, they do a boot camp, which is uh, like eight to 10 weeks of teaching you how to play and teaching you all the basic skills. Because before my first practice, I have probably been on skates less than five times mm-hmm. for like recreational birthday parties, like nothing intense at all. And so they teach you how to skate. They teach you how to fall, teach you how to hit, how to do the strategy and everything. Um, and then I've been playing since then. Wow. What are the positions? Um, so you have uh, the jammer is in back and they're the ones who are initially trying to take off and get through the pack so they can score points. And then you have the blockers are part of the pack. And then you have pivots up front. And the pivots are the unique position because they start out as defense where you want to prevent the jammers from getting through just like a blocker. But if I am the white pivot and the black jammer has gotten through and is starting to lap everyone, I can take off after them and be the point scorer and be Mm. offense at that point. So uh, pivots are the one that have to change. They start out as defense and then they turn to offense and uh, then they can take off. And then at that point, when you have two point scores, everyone else is just blocking. They're trying to get their jammer through or their point score through to score points and stop the other one from scoring points. Okay. And then the blocker is literally getting up next to somebody and pushing them out. You can push them out of bounds um, and then they have to reset behind you or you can knock them down because then they got to reset behind you and they're slower to get up. Um, uh, There's a lot of different, you can form, we form walls where you get together with your teammates and you basically like stop the people from getting in front of you and like you're going across the track. (laughs) Sonny walks up and checks out the wall. (laughs) He's like, let me get some skates. He goes, I want to be part of it. Yeah, right. He wants to be a part. I think, do you think roller derby is growing? Oh, absolutely. Um, we, I want to say we had a, like the biggest draft this year. We had probably 50 people in boot camp overall. Don't quote me on the numbers, but there was a lot of people in boot camp coming to try it out. So, so I had that wrestling coach on recently Mm -hmm. and he said that women's wrestling is one of the fastest growing sports in America. 
And it's so cool to hear about these different women's sports that are growing so fast. Mm-hmm. We have four derby in this league. We just finished women's season. So the season is four months. We have one game a month. And now we're starting all gender. So we do both. Whoa. So I could join the roller derby. Totally good. It would be a bit of a drive for you to get over there, but you totally could. I think I'd get thrown around. (laughs) You would be surprised. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I mean, roller derby is for everyone. Um, Every body size, everyone plays. Like you uh, can see the whole spectrum and it's amazing. Wow. So one question I didn't ask, but I think it's important. How did you get involved with Skip the Small Talk? Yeah. Um, so I travel for work for my day job. And at December of 21, I was in Boston and was there for work. But I'm someone who when I travel for work, I refuse to just sit in my hotel room. Like I'm going to go out and I'm going to do things. I'm going to connect with people. And so I was looking on Facebook for events to do. And I saw a skip the small talk, looked at the description. And I was like, yeah, sure, I'll go. So I go, I maybe had 45 minutes before the event starts. So I didn't really have time to ponder what it was or anything. And I show up to the event and I had the most amazing time. And I absolutely loved it as a guest. Excuse me. And I, uh, towards the end of the event, I went up to the facilitator who happened to be Ashley. I didn't know at the time who she was. And I uh, was talking to them about the event talking about what it was expanding to other cities. And they told me they were looking to expand into other cities, but it was hard to find people who loved to public speak and talk in front of crowds. Mm. And I was like, Ashley, this is, this is who I am. This yeah. is what I do. Right. <laughs> like I used to be a teacher. I'm a corporate trainer. Let's talk. And so we, I gave her my contact information and we ended up connecting via zoom once I was home and uh, started talking about facilitating events. And then it just went from there. And uh, it was absolutely exactly what I needed at that time. Um, I met her, met them in December. And then in March, I actually got laid off from my job. Mm. And it was kind of a crazy couple months for me. Um, I got laid off and then Skip the Small Talk became kind of my primary thing that I was doing just mm-hmm. to fill my time. And it started developing training for them and doing a bunch of stuff there. And then I uh, started a new job. And then got laid off again in June. And I, again, it filled my time and it gave me something to do. And it is my favorite hobby that I do now. And I think it was exactly what I needed. I needed to find it right at that point in my life. And I I love it. Don't let your roller derby team hear you say that. <laughs> <laughs> I love both. I love both for very different reasons. Right. But they very much take up a lot of my time. Mm-hmm. The... One one thing I, I'm hearing from you, and it's a, a thread f- from a few different things you said. You mentioned how you've been involved with roller derby and the Casey Women's Meetup and mm-hmm. like being active in communities. Mm-hmm. Is that something that you've always done or... Yeah. How did that happen? No, um, that is a journey of itself. Yeah. I... So uh, who I am today is so wildly different than who I was five, 10 years ago. Um, I, I started out, my first career was high school education and I was a high school science teacher and my identity revolved around work. And I was a teacher and Mm -hmm. that's all I did. Mm -hmm. I worked all the time. I easily would put in 80, 90 hours a week and it was 
Like I remember being at the school and uh, like printing out copies, prepping for the next week and whatnot. And until like 11 at night, like that was just normal for me. And I am very by trade, I'm an overachiever and I just wanted to be the absolute best. And so I put in a lot and it was my entire identity. And then I had my son And that was a big change when I went on maternity leave and it was the first time I'd never been stressed in my life Mm. and I didn't know how to handle it. I went right into heavy into postpartum depression Mm -hmm. because I was not stressed anymore and I had a really easy baby and I was at home and didn't know what to do. And that when I went back to school the next year, it all came back like a tsunami. And it, that was when I realized I can't teach anymore. I need to switch. I need to do something else. So I left teaching after that year and I went into corporate training. And that's kind of when I found some balance and like having a not working so much and just being home. But at that point, um, my ex-husband would tell me like, you don't have any hobbies. And uh, I was like, yeah, I do. Like I do work. I like to read. And uh, he didn't qualify reading as a hobby because it wasn't active. And I was like, it's totally a hobby. But like reading was uh, kind of the only thing I had. Yeah. Um, uh, but even then, I didn't really have an idea of who I was. And like I had connections with my family, but I wasn't really active with a bunch of friend groups or anything. And I, uh, at one point, we opened our relationship. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's a lot, a big part of the community I'm in now mm-hmm. is I am actively poly. Mm-hmm. And uh, so with that, I uh, started talking to people and started dating. And it was really the first time I had really dated. Wow. Um, uh, my husband and I had met really early on when we were young. I got married when I was 19. And I had never really dated or whatnot. And people would ask, like, tell me about yourself or who are you? And I'm like, I don't know. I'm a corporate trainer. I'm a mom. And like, that's really all I had. And I was like, who? Like, it really made me question, who am I? And what do I have that is for me? Um, And I went into this big thing of figuring out who I was and what do I enjoy? Where does, where are my passions? What do I put effort into? And realized I love to craft. I love to make homemade cards. I love to scrapbook. And scrapbooking side is more on the card side of things. Um, But it's the, it's connecting with people. It is finding community. It is building relationships and still being active. All of those things started to really hone in on what made me me. And so then I started looking for avenues to grow that. And so finding the candidate. Kansas City Ladies Meetup Group. That was a way to connect with people. And then that got me connected with SISU, which got me connected with Roller Derby. I'm very active in the poly communities and connecting with people. And so finding different avenues there of meeting people. Um, And then that's pretty much what gave me the gumption to go to my first get to the small talk. Like it's all connected together. But it was really this journey of figuring out who I was because before I used to define myself by what I did. It was what I did for others. I was Mm -hmm. a corporate trainer and I was a mom. And that wasn't really who I was. And it's been this process to really hone in on what makes me me. And now work is a very small piece of that. Like it's still, I love my job and I love what I do, but I'm a whole person outside of that. And it's been a process to get there. Dang, that's a journey. It is a journey. It is a very, very long journey. But it has been for the better. And I've never been happier than I am now. 
That's a good report. Mm-hmm. I think more people need to be involved with stuff around them. I think that's one of the biggest downsides to the work life we have right now. It's the first question we ask, and typically it's a question that we take a lot of value in is what we do for work. Mm-hmm. One thing that I have, I heard a couple of years ago, I want to say it was a work environment, is in the US, we have a trend of one of the first things you ask people is what do you do for work or how do yeah. you fill your days or whatnot. And it's a, one of the first baselines of conversation. Mm-hmm. If you go to Europe um, or anywhere West, it's not. It is one of the last things they talk about. They talk about who you are and your uh, interactions and your family and your friends and your hobbies. And they care about you as an individual. So when, uh, like I've said, like for I do training, I connect with partners and I run live sessions. And one of the live sessions, the first one is always building rapport. And I don't talk about work. I eventually will need to understand their organization and how they function. But I want to get to know them as people. Um, And we find out they are... Like you get the coolest thing, traveling where they're at. There's a lot of people that travel around the world now and work. Um, So where they're at, stories from that, where they're going, vacations, Mm -hmm. um, if they just had a baby, if they are getting their wisdom teeth taken out on Friday, if we had uh, one tell us they were going through radiation and like you get to know people and you connect with them and it's still a business environment. We have business transactions, but I care about you as a human. And that was one of the things that actually drew me to this organization when I was in interviewing was that when the recruiter got on the phone screen, he started out just talking like he's like, Hey, I'm going to tell you a little bit about myself. And I'd love you to tell me about yourself. And he went on this whole thing about hobbies that he had. And he lived in Colorado and he's thinking about moving to the East coast, but he couldn't decide yet. And it's kind of in that intern right. period. So he's trying some things out and he was like, I'd love to hear about you, but notice that I didn't say anything work related. I have your work history. I can look at all that. Mm. I want to know who you are. Come on. And uh, that was something that really drew me to this org of you care about me as a person and not just Yeah. Yeah. You're like, whoa. Mm -hmm. Building rapport. Mm -hmm. Okay. Whenever you were talking about building rapport, you said a whole bunch of different questions. So is a lot of building rapport just asking open-ended questions, would you say? It's giving the space to hear from them. It's, it doesn't matter what questions it is or how you ask or whatnot. It is not giving them your standard of like you can start out kind of small, like where are you based? And especially in a virtual environment. And then you can talk about, have you been there your whole life? What's your favorite thing you've explored? Um, or what's the coolest thing you've done lately or anything like that? And you can dive into questions from there. And it's giving them the space though, that it's okay to have these conversations. It's okay yeah. to spend 15 minutes in a 30 minute call, just connecting as humans. Because I know in the business world, that's going to make me stand out as you're going to remember interacting with me because I cared about you, not just what you could do for me. Wow. That's awesome. I want to go to a corporate training and learn about building rapport. (laughs) Do you have any helpful books or any resources that you'd recommend people look into? Um... The best book, there's so many books. Um, The best book that I have read lately that has kind of summarized my mantra in life is The Power of Moments. Mm. I can't tell you who the author is off the top of my head. I could if I looked it up. But we got the title. The Power of Moments. And it is all about 
making your life full of memories that make your life worthwhile. And I actually, my one of my next tattoos planned is based on that concept. Um, have you ever seen the movie Inside Out? I wanted to see that movie. I, I'm <laughs> you haven't seen it yet? <laughs> no, I'm laughing because I was at a group and they were like, oh, this is like whenever Blank died in Inside Out. And they were all laughing and everything. And I was like, oh, I've actually never seen that movie. No! And they're like, oh, well, we just spoiled it. But I definitely want to see it because I'm such a geek about or I nerd out whenever it comes to like emotional agility mm-hmm. and being aware of what's going on mm-hmm. and what's happening. So yeah. it's a great movie. It's yeah. really good. Yeah. Um, but one of the things in there is that the balls that are in there, the different colored balls are memories. And I went to Disneyland a couple of years ago and someone was wearing a shirt that said today is a core memory. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, that's really cool. And it inspired this tattoo that I want where I mm-hmm. want to do kind of those balls in an artistic view. I don't want a Disney tattoo, but I want to do the artistic where it says live every day like you're making core memories. Mm-hmm. And like, that's a really big thing for me. And the power of moments talks about how your life is defined by these memories, these moments that are really important to you. And something that really stood out to me in that book is um, they did a study where they did a slide deck and it was the same brown shoe. So you saw a brown shoe for two seconds and then you you could see it switch. You saw the brown shoe for two seconds, brown shoe, brown shoe, brown shoe, red shoe, brown shoe, brown shoe, brown shoe. And no matter what, the slides were only two seconds long and they asked the participants of, uh, well, what stood out? And they're like, oh, the red shoe. It's like, well, how long do you think you saw the red shoe? And they're like, oh, it was on there for like 10 seconds. Mm -hmm. And what they didn't realize is it was the same time period for every single slide, but the red shoe was different. And so it stood out. And uh, how they applied that to your life and making moments and memories is, A lot of people in their life, they will remember ages like 16 to 32 as like the best times in their lives. And the reason why is because you have unique experiences. You get your driver's license, you get your first car, you graduate high school, you go out on your own, you go to college, you get married, you have kids, you buy your first house. All of these are red shoe moments, right? They're really big moments in your life. But the idea of the book is you shouldn't just let those things be red shoe moments. You should design your life to be full of red shoe moments because that's how you make your life feel like it's not just passing day by day. You have these experiences that solidify in your mind of these amazing things that make time just not fly by. And uh, that's kind of my life philosophy. Uh, I want to have red shoe moments. I want to live. And that's what I want to live every day. That's beautiful. The red shoe moment. Mm -hmm. And it echoes what you said about inside out with core memories. Yep. Right? Like it shouldn't just be your big defining things that stand out. You should find something every day that really stands out and make life worth living. Wow. So now I want to go to a book session that you're leading. (laughs) 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 Corporate training, roller derby, skip the small talk, book session. There's a lot of good stuff there. All right. I have two more questions for you. And then we're going to conclude with another card. Okay. Okay. All right. Question one is what is something you wish more people knew about you? Mm. 
That'd be a good card one. Maybe you already have that as a card. Um, uh, there's a, some like that, but I don't think there's one definitive to that. Yeah. But even with the card decks, there's a, like the childhood antidote one. I've never seen that one before. Yeah. I've never read through the whole card deck. Um, so something I wish people knew about me is uh, I am pretty much open to anything. Mm. I will try almost anything mm. and I will have very strong opinions about things that I do because mm-hmm. I think it's, it's fun to have opinions on things. It's fun to talk about and whatnot and uh, like ponder on events or things that you do. But I, even if I'm uncomfortable, I will have strong opinions and joke about it and whatnot because I'm uncomfortable and I'm processing being uncomfortable, but I thrive when I'm uncomfortable Mm -hmm. and I like being put in situations like that. And I like being challenged kind of like I said earlier of, uh, I want to be comfortable being uncomfortable. I think it's a skill and I love exercising that muscle. That's awesome. And then what is a question you wished I would have asked? I feel like we covered so much. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. I will have so many questions whenever I hit done that I'm like, man, I could learn so much from her had I asked this one question. Um, I actually would flip it back to you. And mm-hmm. I would say out of the experiences and things that I talked about, mm-hmm. what was the thing that you found the most intriguing that you uh, would like to explore more into? Mm. I have some notes here. Whenever I hear you say things, I love what you said about the power moments, the red shoe moments and the core memories. Whenever you were talking about extroversion or extroverted and introverted mm-hmm. activation energy, mm-hmm. that concept is interesting to me. Yeah, yeah like thinking about that. So that actually saying that makes me think like, I wish we would have dived into a little bit of activation energy. So can we do that now? Go for it. So this is, I used to teach chemistry and this is a thing in chemistry, but I've applied it to a lot of different things in my life of say uh, water is H2O, right? It's hydrogen and oxygen. But if you were to take a container and put hydrogen and oxygen in there as gases, you're not just suddenly going to get water. They're, the gases are going to be around each other. They have to collide enough to actually form water. Otherwise, they're just going to exist together. Mm. So that amount of energy that it takes to get them to collide together to form water, that's activation energy. So if you look at it on a graph, it goes, not going to happen, not going to happen, no water, no water. Okay, we hit water. Mm. And that's the activation energy. And so I take that concept and I apply it to a lot of different things of what different exercises or activities, how much activation energy is it going to take? And some things like take a much smaller activation energy than others. So like going to the gym every morning, probably a low activation energy, waking up at 545 to go to soccer, low activation energy. But let's say you have to go give a presentation in front of 1500 people. For some people, that's a super high activation energy. And each person is different and you have different activation energies for different activities. And uh, so it is, what does it take to hit that activation energy where you can follow through on that? Um, and if it's so much of a barrier where you won't do it, how do you make it to where either the activation energy is less, maybe you go with a friend and it's easier to go, um, or how do you work on those skills to be able to accomplish that? 
Wow. So whenever I think of activation energy, I think of a the uh, a, a drawing of a line, 45 degree angle going up. Mm-hmm. And then there's another line that's just a horizontal line. And this 45 degree angle is going, 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 going for a really, really, really long time. But not until it passes that horizontal line can you actually see it. Mm-hmm. And it makes me think of like, all of the little things we do before water, 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 but then we get water, right? Mm -hmm. And anything you can apply that to, right? The creative pursuits, the Mm -hmm. relational pursuits, the Mm -hmm. professional pursuits. I love that idea. And it's also a really good idea of, like you said, everybody's different. So that big speech may require a whole bunch of activation energy from that other person. Compared to you, Mm -hmm. you may go up there and you're like, I'm not uncomfortable enough, mm-hmm. you know, like I intentionally want to mess up a few times to yeah. make it feel weird yeah, and then power through that uh, activation energy. Okay. Give us two cards. Two cards. We're going to pull out of the middle again. We're cutting from the middle. This is like, I went to Las Vegas recently and they're like, all right, you go ahead and cut it. So, oh, I like it. All right. I'm answering and I'm going for it. You ready? Okay. okay. What are some things about yourself that you hope never change? Mm. And some things, so I'll give two. The first being my intrigue with other people. I hope that never changes. I want more people to be intrigued by the people around them. And from that, I want the byproduct to be conversation, friendship, and relationship. Mm -hmm. And then another thing, what's something about yourself that you hope never changes? And that's ambition. You know, I, I, I want to continue to be ambitious and do things that may not seem the most calculated, but even if I go broke and it don't work, then I'm grateful I did it, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and then the other thing is I want to be really responsible for the heartbeats that live in my life. So I think of the dogs, I think of the people, yeah. you know, I, I want to be able to take care of them as well as I can. So those are some things. So. Let me ask you, what are some things about yourself that you hope never change? Um, the biggest one that stands out for me is that I hope to always continue trying new things Yeah, and being open to have my mind changed on things and push myself in that aspect. But a big one that stands out is I hope to never lose any sort of hope for humanity and People want to connect with others and people Mm -hmm. genuinely have others, everyone's best interests at heart. Um, I think that's something that you see a trend and this is something Skip the Small Talk does for me every time when I go to events is seeing people who genuinely care about others, even though you've never met, you don't have, you may have nothing in common with them, which is not always true. People always find something in common with someone else. But the uh, being willing to open yourself up and be vulnerable and listen to other people's stories, I uh, want to see that continue. And I don't ever want to feel jaded in a way to where I don't think that's possible anymore. Yeah. Optimism. Mm-hmm. Love it. I You talk about openness a lot. I wonder, you know, the ocean personality assessment. Have you heard of that? No. It's a five figure 
openness to experience, conscientiousness, extroversion, introversion, agreeableness, and neuroticism. Okay. And then everybody's on a different continuum on those. And as far as a universal personality scale, it's supposed to be one of the most reliable. But that first one of openness to new opportunities, mm -hmm. I'm curious as to where you'd land. <laughs> Probably pretty high. <laughs> right. In my mind, I'm thinking like, boom, like all the way up there. All right. What'd you draw? Okay. I drew another kid one. Um, it was, what are some things you loved about yourself as a child that are still true today? Hmm. Playfulness. Mm -hmm. I love being playful. Mm -hmm. In the future, I'm going to have a conversation with somebody and their whole enterprise is all about being playful. And they travel to different organizations and give keynotes about implementing play into work. Yes. Yeah. Because a lot of these organizations who focus on efficiency so much, they don't think about that off time where people can joke around and make the Mm -hmm. you know, story or whatever that lets people breathe and then gets back to work. So being playful and then uh, I think I really enjoy animals because I grew up with animals and like I, I feel a lot of pressure, not pressure, but I think about dogs and if you, if anybody owns a dog, they only get like on average like 12 summers in their whole entire life. Mm -hmm. So it's like, well, let's make every summer the best one. You know, uh, so that's kind of sad, but at the same time, it's like a precedence, importance, a value. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, I'm with you on the loving dogs. Dogs mm -hmm. are my favorite. Mm -hmm. Um, having your buddy here to like pet has been great. I know he's awesome. <laughs> I enjoy he he them. did bark once. He did. You're being really insightful, so <laughs> that's just gonna have to roll with it. But yeah, he's been totally good. fine. The, uh, I think it, when I think of things about me as a child, so uh, something that sticks out is my mom would always tell me that uh, I was like born to be a mom and I was always helping her with babysitting other kids. I was always playing with dolls. I was always doing all that stuff. And then I almost didn't have my son. We had to go through IVF to get mm -hmm. pregnant. And that's a whole story we didn't get mm -hmm. into. Um, mm -hmm. I actually did it in Greece. It's crazy. Wow. The, did you travel there for that? We did. We did. Wow. Um, uh, that's a whole different story. But the uh, I love having my son, but I am not the mom persona that my mom thought I would be. Mm -hmm. And it, it has actually triggered a lot of conversations between us where I have now kind of found that balance of I have me as an individual and I have myself, but I'm also a mom and I love my son and he's great, but I still have me yeah. and my, who I am as a human is not just being his mom. And so that was something that I feel like that nurturing aspect of caring for my son has, was there as a child. And I feel like that rings through today, but that has changed in a way to where it's not who I am. Mm -hmm. It is a piece of who I am, but I still have my personality outside of that. And I am grateful. You hear a ton of people when they have kids of you lose yourself in having kids. And I'm grateful, even though he's still young, I've kind of found that what is the being mom? What is the being me? And how can I keep those two in check, um, but also still be a great mom? Are you fascinated by identity? Is that absolutely? Something? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. I feel like we can unpack a lot of 
like things to learn and concepts and just that whole entire process um, really well. But before we go, let's promote what's happening here in Lawrence. So Skip the Small Talk is coming mm-hmm. to Lawrence. Well, yep. it's been in Lawrence, but it yep. will be in Lawrence. What are the dates? What are the times? We have May 30th is the next date. And it is from 6 to 8 at RPG. Um, RPG has been an amazing venue having here. They Shout out to RPG. Absolutely. They <laughs> love the mission. And it's very parallel to what they do as the organization, having all the board games and getting people together. So as soon as we connected, we're like, we have to explore this. This is just too aligned not to. Yeah. And uh, so we've had two events so far. This will be our third one. Um, and that one is on a Tuesday and, but we are switching cause they aren't going to be open on Tuesdays anymore. So in June we will switch to a Sunday. Um, so we are going to move to a Sunday afternoon of having events here in Lawrence. We don't have the date picked for June yet. I'm working with the team right now to get that done, but all of our events are posted on skip the And you can see we have events in Lawrence at RPG. We also are hosting events in Overland Park at Bear Necessities. Um, We actually had an individual come to the event on Saturday and they're from Lawrence and they had heard about it in Lawrence and they knew the event wasn't until May 30th. And they're like, I know if I don't go to one soon, I'm not going to go. So I need to go to one soon. So they came to the event in Overland Park Saturday night because they wanted to go to one quickly and they absolutely had an amazing time. So we'll see them again in May, which was awesome. So uh, everyone's welcome at all the events, but we host once a month in Overland Park and in Lawrence. A fellow Lorenzian stepping up. Yep. They came all the way out. It was amazing. Answering the call. So I will be there May 30th, 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. at RPG. That's on Mass Street. Mm-hmm. So I would love for others to be there and I'll see you there. Thank you for being here, Rochelle. Absolutely. This was a lot of fun. Um, and I'm super excited for the future of Skip the Small Talk and the Talk to People podcast and Skip the Small Talk. We are all about getting people to connect. So I'm mm-hmm. grateful for this natural connection. And yeah. Absolutely. I look forward to hearing more podcasts where you meet people at Skip the Small Talk and they come here and share their story with everyone. Um, That would be absolutely amazing. Okay. Well, let's get it done. Well, folks, we'll see you next time. Thank you.